the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall I'm Street Black, Business Network. And more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I'm going to be doing an event very soon with CFP Chad Burton in Walnut Creek. It's on income and retirement. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's next Thursday, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. The event will be at Rob Black, or the event will be at Walnut Creek, uh, um, is it the Sheraton? Yeah, it's the Sheraton. But you can sign up for the event at robblack.com again next Thursday. Oh, no, no, it's the Marriott. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning at the Marriott next Thursday, um, March 12th, 6.30 to 9. So talking a little secrets to tax-efficient investing, reducing the risk of outliving your savings, blah, 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 blah. You get the idea. So, the market news today, you know, we've recently had, a, you know, that 5,000 plateau on the NASDAQ, the Dow hit 18,000, the S&P 500 hit all-time highs recently. And the market feels like it's kind of consolidating a little bit. Um, oil is under $50 a barrel. Ten-year treasuries ticking higher at 2.1%. A couple weeks ago, it was at one8 Less risk is when it's moving uh, the market perceives more risk when it's at record lows. The 10-year Treasury, as far as its yield goes, you get where I'm going at with that. Work with me. Work with me, please. So, talking about some of the stories out there, private sector adds jobs in February, but slower than expected. Um, showing moderate employment gains. Friday is going to be a big day on Wall Street because that's when we get the employment report. Thursday is when we get the first time unemployment claims. Southwest Airlines, ticker symbol love, LUV. The airline's expecting fuel costs, savings of about $2 a gallon. Well, no, no, that's the cost for their fuel. But ultimately, they're projecting higher fuel costs for its first quarter as oil prices begin to show signs of a rebound. Southwest says the economic fuel cost of about $2 a gallon, up to $0.10 cents from its January projections. Basically, it, it, with passenger growth, things are looking pretty good, but they're kind of bottoming as far as the savings from fuel costs. Again, for the first quarter. Uh, the tab for winter flight cancellations, $2.4 billion. 
Now, how is this? This is American passengers, about $2.2 billion, out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, Mr. Black, your flight's been canceled. It's next one's tomorrow morning, so I have to go get a hotel. i got to get food. i got to make alternative travel arrangements. 4.5 million Americans were stranded air travelers. Target's going to count about 13,000 employees from their current rank, corporate ranks. Wall Street loves this kind of story. They eat it up like chocolate pudding with, like, graham cracker crust, i.e. chocolate pudding pie. I give you the chocolate pudding pie if it can change the world. Um, so Target's sitting, oddly enough, at a 52-week high. Is that great? It's okay. Um, it's a nice move. Target got out of Canada. Target's new CEO, and they lost their old CEO, probably because of the data theft, credit card issues. Someone has to go. Got to ax someone. And when they did ax, they axed pretty hardcore. Anyway, um, where am I going at with this? I don't know. I guess I can move on. So Target loves, not Target, but Wall Street loves job cuts. And these are going to be corporate job cuts. Um, longer auto loans are revving up sales. So if your neighbor comes home with a brand new car, remember that great moment in The Price is Right as a kid? I mean, I, I remember Price is Right was golden to me. Keep in mind, I had a TV show on Crown 4 for about 10 years, and it took me about five years to beat the prices right in ratings. And my show is dedicated to getting you to retirement. My show is dedicated to financial news that you can use. And the prices right kicked my butt for about five years in the Bay Area. Um, so the average car loan, not the average, but more car loans are now, um, 12 to 14% of car loans are seven-year car loans. More than... 25% of car loans are six years or more. Ben and Jerry's might start selling weed-infused ice cream. Yay, say the pot smokers. Now I'll have the true munchie to go with my high. So Ben and Jerry are open to making marijuana-infused ice cream product. Ben and Jerry's kind of sold out a couple years ago. So they're owned by a company called Unilever. A big food company. Good international play uh, for a long-term patient investor if you believe people are going to eat food. If you don't, maybe it's not right for you. Abercrombie and Fitch is getting stomped. Uh, I don't think they have got the right clothing mix. They don't have a CEO at this time, point in time. Uh, it is a real problem. It is a retail... When a company doesn't have a leader, it's a problem. Since September... In September, this was a $45 stock. Today, it's a $20 stock. It is a loser. And uh, turnarounds take time to turn. Go ask the Titanic that. I know you're saying, I can't ask the Titanic that. It's sitting at the bottom of the ocean. That's not even funny. There's dead people in that thing. Fair. Fair. Other stories of note today. Um, let's see. Is there anything shockingly jumping out? Mortgage volume froze, but don't blame the weather. Mortgage demand seems to be suffering from a lack of reason to refinance and a lack of homes for sale. So not a good day to be a mortgage lender. McDonald's going to ax chicken with anti human antibiotics and milk hormones. Uh, so they're going to, uh, if the milk has hormones in it, they're going to take them out. They're not going to take them out. They're going to use hormone-free milk, and they're going to use antibiotic-free chicken, which is great. You know, if you're a parent and you're feeding your kids fried chicken and 
chicken nuggets and french fries. And you don't want extra things like artificial growth hormone in this. Even though it's legal and McDonald's says there's no link, McDonald's is doing the right thing. They're moving to what the consumers want because we as a nation are starting to fear human infections, product resistance, bacteria, increased use. Um, maybe, I mean, if you take a look at a chicken from 1950s compared to what a chicken looks like today, they're different animals. Can you imagine that being said about us? I mean, again, again look at professional athletes today from the, six, from the 50s to today, sure. Chickens are now bred to be like professional athletes. But if fat and plump is considered professional. Um, Macau gambling revenue is in a free fall, sinking 49%. That's a big freaking fracking number. China's crackdown on corruption. And it tells you again, you look at Macau and you go, gambling, legal. Chinese like to gamble. That's a cultural, you know, tag that we put on them. Uh, closer than, than Vegas. Macau, big city, built. Casino is going to take business from uh, Vegas. And then you hear crackdown on corruption. You go, maybe China's not the easiest place in the world to do business with. Maybe I should invest more in the United States and Europe. Uh, Cincinnati Financial, they're an insurance company. They said a driverless car is going to be a problem. They just put it in their annual report. They said disruption of the insurance market caused by technology innovation, such as driverless cars, that could decrease consumer demand for insurance products. Whoa. Driverless cars will be safer. You could now no longer say an 18-year-old is different than a 30-year-old versus a 60-year-old versus a 90-year-old. A driver's age and experience don't matter when this hits. It's a big disruption that's coming. Coming up, I'm going to talk about women and why they trail men in retirement savings. You can find me online at robblack.com. Don't forget, i got a seminar coming up in Walnut Creek a couple Thursdays from now on the 12th. Learn about it at robblack.com. Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Got a seminar coming up a couple Thursdays from now in Walnut Creek at the Marriott. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's an income in retirement where I'll go over some income stocks and much, much, much more. Um, so if you're heading towards retirement or want to know about thoughts in retirement, that might be a good event for you. Let's go to Mark in Belmont. Mark, how are you? Uh, doing well. How are you? Good. What's up? Uh, so I have a fair amount of stock that I got through an uh, employee stock purchase plan in a company, and uh, this company is about to merge with another, so my cost basis is about to adjust uh, this year. Um, so I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to uh, kind of minimize my uh, tax liability because of that. Probably not the answer, but I'd call a CPA and have your taxes done this year with a CPA and come up with a stock option selling pricing strategy. Is it a significant amount of money, or is it not? so much. I'd be significant, yeah. Okay, then I would strongly recommend a stock option strategy. 
so as to reduce um, alternative, alternative minimum tax in the United States. It's not like you're going to be able to hide it in a Roth or anything like that. Um, so it's one of the things that the Bay Area is kind of complicated on. A lot of our wealth is tied towards stock options, and a lot of people just they'll exercise their options and not realize that they've just hit a big tax liability. Um, who did you go? Or who's the company that you're getting acquired by? Uh, the company Applied Materials. It's purchasing uh, Tokyo Electron, and they're getting incorporated in Europe somewhere. Okay, are your stock options going to transfer over to the new company, or are they basically to be yeah, exercised? Okay, um, yeah, it, it doesn't hurt to have a conversation with one or two CPAs about what would you do with this. Um, mm -hmm. They'll take a look at your adjusted gross income from last year, and they'll give you an idea of, you know, I personally like selling off stock options on a regular basis because, to me, it's income. If the company loved me, um, they would give me higher income. They do. They do it with stock options. So that's my thought on the issue. Thanks for the call, and good luck with that. Um, but yeah, if anyone needs a, a referral to a CPA, um, I can send you to my guy and or another person that I, I like. Um, stock options are tricky. And if it's a material amount of wealth, you may even want to meet with a, a CFP and start a relationship there where they will have a certified financial analyst, a CFA, run some scenarios for you to show how it's going to hit your taxes so that you can minimize tax loss in that event. So I promised I was going to talk a little bit about women. And I don't want you to get mad at me when I do this. So I got to be as respectful as possible. Um, women in America save far less for retirement than their male peers. They invest too conservatively against their male peers. 53% of working age women have started saving for retirement compared to about 65% of men. Guess who lives longer? Raise your hands, raise your hands. That's right, women. So they need to save more money. Women who did not set aside failed to invest for growth, which further erodes their future returns. The average female investor, this will make me scream, keeps 68% of her portfolio in cash and cash equivalents like money market funds, treasury bills, certificates of deposits, which have very low risk, very low return profile. By comparison, men allocate 59% of their positions to cash. That's honestly the most repulsive thing I've heard. Like, I would rather eat human fried skin than hear that people, 68% of women and 59% of men invest in cash? Holy mackerel. You saw the stock market in the last five, six years? Have you seen the stock market in the last 100 years? Have you seen the stock market in any 40-year period? Risk aversion it does not pay. Risk aversion hurts compared to inflation. Much of the gender savings gap is attributed to women's role as the primary caregiver. Women spend fewer years in the workforce on average, putting their careers on hold or taking part-time jobs to take care of their young children or aging parents. American women aged 55 to 64 have accumulated about $81,000 for retirement versus men, $118,000. Again, I would rather eat a human toe deep-fried twice with General So's chicken on it General Tso sauce on it, didn't hear these numbers. Someone who's 55 to 64 with only $81,000, 81 to 120000 whether you're a woman to a man, the average, that's way too little. It's way too little. So let's go to another call. Bill in Hayward, how are you? I'm doing well, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. 
Sure. Hey, in the past, you've talked a little bit about TripAdvisor, and I've been holding some shares for a while, and I just wanted to get your take on what you think uh, would be the long-term proposition for a company like that and holding the stock for a long for a long period. Keep in mind, I own no TripAdvisor, so I want that out there so that you know you don't think that um, I'm endorsing per se and or touting. Uh, TripAdvisor, obviously, an online play and thanks for the call. What price did you pay for it, real quick? <laughs> Very low. I think I paid about thirty bucks. Oh, congratulations! Um, so you've seen a lot of volatility recently, and that's probably got you thinking. Right. Um, I like TripAdvisor's website more so than Pricelines or Orbitz or HomeAway. Um, I think Airbnb might be a problem for these guys. Not big, but it's out there. Um, thanks for the call. TripAdvisor is primed to give you advice. Formerly owned by Expedia, TripAdvisor offers a search engine directory that matches hotels with flights. Let's say you're going to Kauai and you want a bed and breakfast. You go to TripAdvisor, you type in Kauai, then you type in, you click bread and breakfasts, and then it'll show you like there's 60. And it'll show you the highest ranked. You could look at it from luxury. You could look at it from uh, reviews. You could take a look at it from cost, location. Um, it's got a smartphone and app as well. Eh, it is what it is. TripAdvisor partners with companies like HotwireHotels.com, American Airlines. They're in France. They're in Germany, Italy, Spain, UK, China, United States. It's a growing list. Taking a look at the valuation of the company, it's not cheap. You know, you're, when you're looking at 60 times earnings, you're not cheap. There's no dividend, so it's a growth story. It's not necessarily much value. Um, it's trading at 30 times next year's earnings. Profit margin is about 18%. Um, could always be an acquisition candidate. Um, as that industry, you know, if someone like Google wanted to get into booking flights, which they're in, and if someone like Google wanted to take advantage of, you know, an information repository that's already out there, it's not the worst thing in the world to pick up a company like this. It'll cost you a cool 12, 13 billion dollars. Um, it looks like it's put in a bottom around 70, and it's broken out recently to 90. It's had an all-time high of about 110. Taking a look at you know what analysts are saying about the company, um, they've got some foreign currency headwinds ahead of them. Earnings before interest tax depreciation amortization sees about 5 to 10% impact from that. They've launched Neighborhoods feature to help TripAdvisor's users discover and explore neighborhoods within popular tourist destinations, making it easier to find restaurants, attractions, and such. Um, Priceline, fourth quarter earnings, will always play into TripAdvisor, TravelZoo, Expedia, Sabre. TripAdvisor had strong earnings, um, very strong results. If you want to send me an email, Rob at Rob Black Show, I'll send you the review that I have on TripAdvisor. Um, drop me an email, Rob at RobBlackShow.com. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. The numbers look pretty good. I don't see some analyst numbers there, so drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Thanks. You're trying to say, oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh. It's 
our team. That's all part of it. That's foreplay. Foreplay is very important in love making. Let's welcome in Dr. Jeff Rosen. He is one of my favorite economists, which is a weird thing to say because people typically look at their favorite football players or baseball players, but in the world of finance and economics, you are a rock star. Mr. Rosen, how are you? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? I know it sounds goofy, but I think I should come up with a line of bubblegum cards of you know, economists and strategists and uh, investment gurus, and I think it would sell in, in the world of finance. I don't know if you'd make too much money, i got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe package it with like some hubba bubba bubblegum or something like that. Um, yeah, there'll have to be something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Give me credit. I'm trying to stimulate an economy here all by myself. You're not helping. Uh, private sector jobs. Probably not. Uh, private sector ads. Uh, they were good, but they weren't great, and they showed a slowing uh, it seems, and this is, tell me if I'm right or wrong, it seems like the first Friday of the month we get the employment report, it seems like it turns into like this three-day gala now where we start with private sector and then we go to first-time unemployment claims tomorrow and then we get the woohoo, the winner of them all, the employment report on Friday. Are, are we getting hyper-focused on employment on the first Friday of the month? Um, I don't know if it's any more hyper-focused than it's ever been in the past. I think that it's a pretty important report in terms of how the economy is currently doing. It's, it explains exactly on um, you know the current events. So in that respect, it's good. It, I, I wouldn't use it too much as a leading indicator. I don't think many people do, but you know it, it is what it is. It tells us who's working, how many people are working. It gives us income data. It gives us hours data, which you could use as a measure of productivity and production. So in that respect, it's a pretty important report. What did we see from today's report as far as the service sector? And I think in the past, you've not been critical of the ADP report, but you don't put a lot of stock in it, if I'm correct. No, and I still don't put a lot of stock in it. I mean, in the report okay. was fine. It met expectations. Uh, you had a, you know, 212 or 213,000 increase in private sector jobs according to the ADP. Now, you have to remember what the ADP report is. It's, it's not its own survey. It's not its own uh, data feed. What it is is a forecast by Moody's.com on what they expect private payrolls to be. You know, there's really no new information in the, in the report. You don't generally get a good gauge of uh, how the sector is performing or how the employment sector is doing. It's simply a forecast, you know, and if you went to, you know, Moody's.com or if you go to, you know, some of the Bloomberg sites, you'd probably find Moody's, you know, uh, forecast on that as well, and it's going to be very close to what they what they say what the ADP number is. So, you know, if you're looking for Moody's number, that's what you get. If you don't really care about Moody's forecasts, then you kind of ignore it. Okay, what are we expecting on Friday as far as employment goes? What are you expecting? Is a better question. So, I'm expecting uh, excuse me. I'm expecting non-farm payrolls around 240,000. It's exactly in line with the briefing.com consensus. Uh, you know, it, it's a good number. You know, we we're, should see decent job growth. You know. To me, though, that's not the number to look at. The number that I would want to look at and focus on on Friday's report is the average hourly earnings number, 
we saw a 0.5% increase in average hourly earnings in the January report. And, you know, that was looked at as a good sign. You know, you need to see uh, businesses competing for employer, employees, driving up wages to do so, adds inflation expectations, allows us to get out of this little deflationary slump that we're in right now. But if a lot of that gain in January could have possibly been from uh, increases in minimum wage, you know, many states this year raised their minimum wage, and that's going to show up immediately in the January numbers. And we saw it a lot in the sectors. So if you looked at what sectors saw the biggest uh, wage growth, it was retail sectors. It was you know service sectors that normally get minimum wage jobs. So if we see, you know, if we believe that the minimum wage was the reason for the boost, you would expect to see a big downshift in in the average hourly wage uh, growth this month, and that'll give us a better reading on, you know, exactly how tight the labor market is, if the labor market really is improving, as the genuine numbers suggested. You recently wrote a piece at briefing.com that, again, I like your, I like your work. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to make you blush or anything, but you called it an economic Rorschach test, and you looked at the last couple of weeks of February, and why did you explain what this piece was all about? Well, basically, we you know, I'm not an equity market follower by any means. You know, I, I kind of okay. know what's going on, but I don't spend too much time on a day-to-day basis. And you've seen a massive run-up in the S&P 500 from the second half of February. Uh, realistically, if you look at the data, um, it coincided with a sharp drop in economic data, in the economic numbers. So uh, right after the employment report was uh, released, we saw the economic numbers just deteriorate across the month. But it moved in opposite of the S&P. So if you're looking at why the S&P went up, you know, you can make arguments, you know, and we've had discussions here at briefing, you know, and people have said, you know, it could be a technical breakout. It could be because all the central banks globally have started easing again, bringing money into the U.S. equity market. It could be short uh, sellers getting squeezed. But the one argument you can't make is that it's economic improvement. You know, over the last month, the economy is growing below trend. Uh, it seems that's the case. You know, it's a little bit surprising. You saw uh, the surprise numbers come in, uh, you know, downside negative because most of the numbers have come in disappointing. Uh, and we have a run-up in equities. So uh, you look at it and you're trying to make a – case for equities, you can't make the case based on the economic argument. You can maybe make the case on other arguments, but, but not on that one, at least not right now. The Federal Reserve is releasing the Beige Book today. What's the value of the Beige Book to you? What's the value of the Beige Book to the listener who's the average Joe out there? Not too much. I mean, all the Beige Book okay. is, is a summary of each uh, Federal Reserve region uh, based on their regional research on how the economy is progressing. And it's six weeks old, so it's, it's not the most up-to-date information uh, out there. You know, it, it doesn't give me, as a U.S. national economist, uh, too much information. You know, if you're uh, a guy who does business in Chicago, maybe reading the Chicago region's beige book would be helpful because it gives you an idea of 
the market, or not the market, but the uh, the regional economy in the Chicago region. But you know, if you're trying to predict how the employment sector is going to do in in the United States, it doesn't really give you that much hope. Now, you know, this beige book may be even less relevant because we had Janet Yellen talking last week about her, you know, ideals about the economy and, and her viewpoint on when rates are going to go up and how she believes uh, the economy is going to transpire over the course of the year. And given that, you know, I don't know how much old information on a regional form uh, is going to give any more attention on how things are. Janet Yellen came out yesterday and today and basically, I'm not going to say bashed Wall Street and the culture of ethics. Um, kind of similar sounds that maybe Elizabeth Warren is throwing out there. Have you read her commentary on that? Not much. I mean, she, okay. her her goal is to try to keep banks, you know, supposedly honest, you know, trying to keep them from being too big to fail and trying to get them to be a more stabilizing component of the economy as opposed to a, uh, you know, a volatile sector that can cause economic turmoil. So I, I don't know too much of what she's saying is going to be important. You know, she's gone off on tangents before, if you remember, uh, you know, she was talking about biosector stocks, like, you know, that's not really her forte. Gotcha. Well, that's fair to say. Um, savings at the pump has become savings at the bank. Are you surprised that Americans have upped their savings rate? I believe it's a whole percentage point from 4.5% to 5.5%, and that some of it's gone into debt reduction and some most of it's gone into savings. What's that? Yeah, it, it's definitely been a disappointment in terms of economic growth. You know, okay. one of the, the factors of lower gas prices was we're supposed to spur economic growth elsewhere, and we didn't see it. Anything else that you want to add today? Uh, no, I think, you know, we'll wait till Friday to see how the employment sector is doing. You know, if, if we see, uh, you know, aggregate wages start growing, uh, you know, 0.4, 0.5% again for another month, you know, it would be really telling me that the uh, you know, employers are fighting over uh, finding employees, that the labor market is tightening up, which is going to boost wages, it's going to boost uh, employment, and it will boost income. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Always good and insightful commentary. Back to the private sector jo uh, job growth that we saw. It is interesting that we added 200,000 jobs despite tough weather on the East Coast port closures on the West Coast, and capital spending that's been slashed in the energy industry. So there's some underlying strength to a weak number. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find briefing at briefing.com. I do have a seminar coming up, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, all the way out in Walnut Creek at the Marriott. You can sign up for the income and retirement event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. In investing, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. I think that's a pretty good piece of advice. Another good piece of advice is the share market's role. The share market's role is the majority of investing wrong. You know, rather bleak as it is simplistic, it reflects the fact that most don't invest on a criterion basis. By definition, markets top out when most investors are long and they bottom when most investors are short. So pay attention to that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton with NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. Let's talk retirement plan beneficiary mistakes. Isn't it just beneficiary mistakes overall, like insurance beneficiary mistakes, retirement plan beneficiary mistakes, or is there something unique to retirement plans that we need to know? Well, the, the main thing to know is that life insurance annuities and IRAs, 401ks, the beneficiary designation that you have overrides any will or trust that you've done. And so there, <laughs> the issue with especially retirement accounts, if you have a very wealthy person that faces estate taxes and they make beneficiary mistakes, their IRAs can be taxed at 70% plus because they have state taxes, they have federal taxes, um, and then they have estate taxes on top of the federal and state taxes. So it can really get nailed if you do it the wrong way. So the biggest issue is not having a beneficiary at all or naming your estate. Um, if you pass away under the age of 70 and a half, it forces your heirs to pay the taxes within five years. But if you've named them directly, they can stretch the tax issue over their lifetime and let the account continue to actually grow and just take out a little bit each year or more if they want to, but they have the flexibility of not having to pay Uncle Sam. And if you pay it out, a larger retirement account over five years, it, it increases the tax bracket to the higher levels, and you pay so much more to the feds if you would have been able to stretch it out over your lifetime. So naming your estate or no beneficiary at all, probably the two biggest mistakes that I see out there. So no beneficiary at all is a problem. What if you have no beneficiaries? What if you, like, you just don't care? You're single. Got a cat. Got a dog. <laughs> you can create a pet trust. God, I those people drive me crazy. It's a little odd, huh? Yeah. Um, they own a home, Helmsley? She left money to her cat or her dog? A lot of money. Like millions. Yeah, I'd be surprised if some of the state planning attorneys like Michelle Lerman that we have on quite often. She's had to do pet trust before. And people Isn't talk about them, and, and you go through a conversation with them. They say, my girl's my my boys or whatever, and they're talking about their animals, yeah. not their children. <laughs> Isn't that just a big F you to humanity when you leave egregious amounts of money to an animal? Yeah, I guess it depends on what happens after the animal dies, too. Yeah. Well, that's a mistake that people can make is you leave retirement accounts to a trust, and the trust names a charity as a beneficiary in addition to the kids. And this is where education to your trustee comes into play because if certain deadlines aren't met – by September of the following year after death, the charity makes sure you have to get that paid out and done and over with and the paperwork submitted for the other kids by October in order to do these stretch IRAs. So a charity can actually complicate the IRA. Yet, if you're trying to benefit your church or your charity, the best asset to leave them is a portion of your retirement account because they will never pay taxes on that money. Nobody ever will. So, But you have to incorporate your trust, your beneficiary designations and everything with that idea that you want to leave money to charity and to kids. Okay. Lots of complications in that, right? Yeah, you know, I've had a family member recently been named to a uh, trustee of a trust, mm -hmm. executor of the will, kind of, you know, the overseer of the 
the wealth. Yep. That's a stressful position. It's horrible. People act like, hey, I'm going to name you as my executor or my trustee, and like it's a great honor. And all of a sudden, you're dealing with three kids that don't get along, mounds and mounds of paperwork, going through the person's desk, seeing where assets are aren't anymore. People looking for advances. Yeah. And if you don't have that person, I mean, oftentimes there are kids that don't get along. Um, oftentimes naming a professional fiduciary to yep. handle the estate for a fee is a better idea. Um, and simplifying things, you might have your trust, but you still need a, a separate letter that says what, you know, for certain items, um, jewelry, your autos, um, things like that. Um, and so that way you can have a separate letter with your trust rather than a paying attorney every time you want to change your mind. One of the problems with this particular scenario, the executor, um, so the parents basically gave $200,000 to one daughter, made the other daughter the executor with a note that says you get $200,000 upon death, but they gave $200,000 to their one daughter so she go out and buy a house while the other daughter's waiting for the money. Let's say she waits 20, 30 years. Does she get 5% interest every year? Does she get... And then the original people, their house goes... Let's say it goes bankrupt and the house... like. They, so they still want money because their house they bought in 2007 yeah. is now worthless or upside down. It, and that's how it can get messy very fast. Yeah. And then you get spouses going like, but don't we get interest? Or can I get a lump sum now because I want to buy a truck? Um, executor is not a sexy position. No, it's so. it's tough. And then, you know, 55% of marriages end in divorce. People have to update their estate plans after divorce. You've seen numerous stories where people die and money goes to the ex-spouse all the time. Um, and prenups. In ERISA law, if you're doing a second marriage, the prenup doesn't really help with your retirement plan. You have to have a spousal waiver after the fact. All fun topics at CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The dollar index reached as a fresh 2015 high. There's a high beta chip maker and transport stocks are underperforming today. Very volatile stocks underperforming. Um, biotech names are outperforming. Strength in healthcare, consumer staples, financials, industrials, materials, technology, telco. The day started off with a weaker, I'm not going to say a weak jobs report because it wasn't. Um, but yesterday the market sold off a little bit, a couple down days to start March after a strong February. Seems pretty normal in line to me. The big report this week will be the jobs number. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up. It's a retirement income, 10 pillars of retirement income planning seminar, March 12th. It's going to be at the Marriott in Walnut Creek. Sign up at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.